Welcome to Safe Abu Khan Deals, the show with no name podcast on episode four with our special guest, Dr. Muhammad Farooq. He is a comedian. Hi. His brief bio. He's a comedian. Already he's making me laugh, people. Comedian living in Cairo. We both met in around 2012, 2012. Yes. He's a psychiatrist. Not a psychologist, as in other words, he's the one who can give you the drugs. He's part of a music <laughs> comedy duo called El No Talents. And he does a yes. podcast in Arabic with fellow comedian Muhammad Gamaluddin, also known as Jimmy, named Koala Sandwich. Did I miss anything? No, you didn't. I, uh, yeah, that's, that's excellent. Okay. That's so, excellent, man. It's so nice to be here, though. I'm so excited about this. I, I, I can see it in your face. You're no, just... I am. I'm a little bit sick. It's, uh, it's, not, it's not corona or Are anything. You sure you tested? Yeah, it's COVID. No, so I'm you, kidding. So you do uh, have COVID. I don't know. I, don't, I think lost, so. I mean, if, if I have the flu now, I probably have COVID. Have you lost your sense of taste? I... No, I didn't. I didn't lose my sense of taste. What, in women or just uh, food? <laughs> I don't know. Because that was never there to begin with. I think I have a... Yeah, I didn't... I don't know. <laughs> I have a... I don't know. I'm, I'm a little bit sick. I'm not super sick. I can still, like, get, get food. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen today. I, I'm a little bit high over nothing. When I get sick, I get a little bit high. Does that happen to you too? No, I just get a little bit high when I smoke drugs. But anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah. I know I, we, we met in 2012, but when exactly, yes, we did. But when exactly did you get started? <laughs> and can you tell us a bit about how you got started? Um, I started a year or two before I met you, probably two years. So 2010 2010, and, uh, or 2009. I'm not sure yet. I stopped keeping track. You know when you keep track, when you're happy, you're like, oh, I've been doing comedy for two years, three years, four years, and then you're like, uh, I've been doing comedy for a while. Yeah. <laughs> you know when that happened? Yeah, well, I started you... in 2002, so I've been doing it for 18 years, but carry on. Wow. 18. Yeah. That's double me. No, no, I've been doing it for 11, I think. I started out in 2009. Um, that was my first show. I did a show in uh, uni, uh, med school. Uh, that was weird. No one, um, I have no idea how I know. I, I don't know. It was all old doctors coming out for an alumni meeting. Like they're meeting like, oh, we're graduating and stuff like that. And oh, look how good we are in our life. And I was like, hey, speaking of uh, stuff, what do you guys uh, think? It was my first show in front of 200 people. Yeah. It was crazy. That was my first, that was the first time I wrote material, grabbed the mic, and said something. It was crazy. In front of 200 people, all doctors. Um, Did you get laughed? But yeah, they laughed. Um, oh. Yeah, they laughed. We, we, I, I got laughter. I got laughter. It was, the, it was, uh, it was me and two others. Kind of laughter. No, we got. No, I think they were a pretty easy audience because the day was going so good for them. It mm. was like uh, the food was nice, everything was nice. They were going out to a hotel after. And a bunch of them, they invited us over to, to have dinner with them in the hotel. 
and uh, then we got raped. No, I'm kidding. Then it, it was nice. It was uh, it was all it was all good. It was it was just doing comedy in front of the weirdest audience to to begin your career uh, in front of. I think so. Yeah, that is uh, definitely. I mean, because uh, I mean, the second part of the of this question was which came first, you as a solo act, which I guess did, or the duo yeah. with Ahmed uh, Sharky El Sharkawi. Yeah, the, no, the solo came first. Um, the solo came. It actually, I've been do. I did comedy solo for two years before we started the No Talents. So you uh, so you started El No Talents in 2012. Sort how, of, yeah. How, how long was he doing comedy beforehand? He didn't do much comedy. I did more. Uh, I did more comedy than him. He was, but we were, we were, we used to sing. <laughs> it's very embarrassing. We used to meet and sing John Mayer. <laughs> like this is this is our thing. Like I I had a guitar and he had uh, you know I had a guitar and he had like the voice the sort of good voice and he played the harmonica and we'd meet and we're like oh, oh gravity and then we just sing and then someday we're like I hate these shitty songs man let's do some fun and, and then so the idea the inspiration of inspiration behind the song Khara, which in English means <laughs> yeah. We have a song that means shit. It's but everyone loves yeah. that song. Everyone who's heard it and seen the. I video. have no idea why. It's the video. It's the video that just sells. It's the video, probably the video. Yeah, I think so. Was it's it so Islam sad though that Omar you need a good video. Is that Islam Omar who's in the video with you guys? Yes, that's Islam Omar in the video with us. Is uh, he, we uh, does he work with you guys on creating stuff? We told him that he can, but he doesn't. <laughs> like we were so mean as a no talents. Like we've always performed as a good duo, right? But then others, all all along our uh, eight or nine years of performing, others wanted to join, right, and be a part of it. And they were like, "We'll play drums, or we'll write music, we'll play another guitar, we'll record, we'll manage, whatever." And we'd say, "Oh yeah, sure," but then we don't include them. <laughs> it's just I think, I think to be fair, you guys as Ilno Talents, you have like that Egyptian equivalent, if not something that can't really be compared to the Flight of the Concords. Yeah, it's very similar, I think. It's similar, but I think it's very not similar. that sim- I mean, like it's it's similar in the concept of two, but as you said, a third person would maybe change the dynamic or the energy and so maybe it's a good yeah, thing. Yeah, I don't know if we need a third person. I don't know. It just wouldn't work. You need to find another fat person because we're both fat. And that yeah, that's not thing. too hard in Egypt. <laughs> you need to find someone who's fat and talented, though. Again, and that's not, not too hard. But, oh, and not talented? That's hard because <laughs> not every talented. fat that's, person oh, in Egypt has Every fat person is talented. Yeah, yeah exactly. Talented at eating. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> But They're I should talk because I'm yeah. fat as well. But uh, that's because yeah, fat, fat is good. Fat is the new thin. Fat is the new thin, and anorexic is the new fat. I think. Wow, that's, that's all right. We're starting the philosophy early. That's good. Yeah, well, you that's know, nice. when you when you got a psychiatrist, you got to go deep. Um, yeah. Now, so she what? <laughs> <laughs> What is a shareable secret of your success? Uh, well, as a comedian? Or as a fat person? Both. All right. As a fat person, I eat. That's my... 
that's why I succeeded. I eat a lot. I eat a lot, man. I eat a lot, especially at wrong times. Like I, I, I just like finish like dinner funerals? and then, then I'll eat again. Yeah, on funerals. Yeah, yeah, I eat at funerals. Yeah, people will be like, "Oh, I'm so sorry for your loss." I'm like, "Did McDonald's come yet? Are they here yet? Oh, they forgot the sauce. God damn it! This is the worst day of my life." Um, you miss your mom? No, I can't. <laughs> like I miss the sauce? <laughs> no, I, I, I can totally understand your sadness. I mean, McDonald just missed my sauce and my milkshake. I know both your parents died in an accident, but it kind of feels the same. I get where you're coming from. Um, no, what, what do you mean, though? A shareable secret for my success in comedy? I I'd like to say that I like, try as much like an as example. I can. How, how, sorry to interrupt, but like as an example, yeah. Yeah. how do you overcome creator's block? Because a building step or a building block for success in creativity yeah. is overcoming the creator's block. So yeah, I don't. You don't overcome I don't. the creator's block. I don't overcome the. I I don't try to. When I'm blocked creatively, I just know this is not the time for me to be creative. Hmm. Like when I'm when I'm. When I'm blocked and I can't perform, I know that maybe in three months I might. Try. I always fear that this is the end. Like, like if their creativity was like, a, like I don't know, like a couple of stuff in my head that kind of pop out and die after I use them. I I kind of fear like this is the last pill of creativity I'm ever going to take. Like I'm, I'm afraid. I'm terrified. But then I hope that maybe in three months, maybe, maybe. I might, I might be creative again, but I don't. I'm not the type of person who's like, oh, I'm gonna take a trip to like seaside, and then <laughs> I'm gonna meet someone who's gonna inspire me to be like. I don't, I don't do that stuff. I, I never overcome. I never I did this overcome restaurant, and <laughs> the waiter came with my coffee, and then I got the bill. I noticed, huh? Greek restaurants called Turkish coffee, Greek coffee. <laughs> oh, wouldn't that the be a nice thing? started all over again. Yeah. <laughs> and then I met, I asked the waiter out because he's sort of my muse and I like him a lot now. I don't, I don't care about all that stuff. I don't, I never did. I, I just let you myself cross if not creative. <laughs> yeah, I, I do know. I do. That's how I overcome uh, my uh, heterosexual desires. No, anyways, uh, I think. <laughs> no, I think the way I've I've never tried to overcome a block. But if if you're saying about a sh- why do people sort of like my comedy? I think I try as much as I can to be real. If that makes sense. I think I do because uh, I was just talking about this with somebody else um, yesterday, actually. Do you remember September yeah. 2016? You were the headline act for when I was, uh, for our listeners who don't know, I did Ronin Comedy, which was sort of like an underground indie label style, not to be like the Comedy Bunch or Helmy Man yeah. or even at Hisbill Comedy. 
which I don't want to say you got they are like the Disney version, but they try to be more inclusive of the family audience, whereas Ronan comedy, as Haridi says, you let us say whatever the fuck we want. You know, like that's yeah, like that's yeah, yeah, yeah. everyone appreciates. Yeah, that was your motto. Yeah, no, nothing, no, no restrictions or anything. No restrictions. Just don't go for the jugulars of religion and politics. But everything else goes. Yeah. I never come up before a show yeah. and say, "What are you going to do? What kind of material you're going to do?" Yeah. Um, but like that particular show, we just had an intermission, and you we're going to come on and I had cracked the gag to the audience about like, you know, thank, first I thanked them for, you know, coming and supporting live comedy and being a part of yeah. stand-up comedy as a process creatively, you know, whatever. And if any of their friends were not there, don't judge them unless they're kitty fuckers. <laughs> and there was that girl on a beanbag near the front row that suddenly got really upset and but she got upset for the right reasons but at the wrong person because she turned around and said you can't say that and i said why not you know this is all with the microphone she's like you can't say that why not well what if somebody in the audience is like a victim of abuse and i turned around and said to her what if somebody on the stage is a survivor of abuse yeah yeah to yeah. which we had that nanosecond conversation of her looking at me in the eye going are you saying? And me just raising the eyebrow of yes. And she ran out and I tried to, but this is the interesting thing. She ran out and this all happened in a matter of minutes. She got up, ran out. I turned around and tried to decimate the emotional nuclear bomb I had just detonated in the audience yes. by saying bad things happen to good people, good things happen to bad people. It's just the way of life. Yeah. Like when I suddenly conversationally not thinking about the receiving end of what they would, how it would be received saying the phrase, my sister died 14 days after my 14th birthday, you know, bad things happen. Yeah. And I just tried to not even go into material. And then I just suddenly threw you into that wolf pit of emotional skull fuckery. And it became <laughs> your catchphrase throughout your bit where you kept saying in Arabic, oh yeah, and safe sister died. And safe sister died. <laughs> and because of your psychiatry background, maybe That's that was shitty. what gave you that. I mean, no, it's, it, it's no, not shitty, shitty on the me. contrary. I was an asshole for throwing you in to that emotional mindfuck of a situation <laughs> of just making everybody feel, in Arabic we would say mabdun. I don't know how would you yeah. translate mabdun into English. So frustrated and irritated and just want to it's a frustration irritation and boredom at the same time and pissed offness you know like pissed yeah pissed off oh, yeah that's it's much easier <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think of pissed off i was like oh i'm gonna make a mixture of feelings i'm gonna act professional let's, <laughs> let's expand on your pissed feelings off. oh wait i'm sorry we just reached the end of our <laughs> session next week is what you say every other Stop day. This. That's crazy. It is, but um, but you use that dark. Yeah, I did. And, yeah, and everyone I in the audience, the more you would say it, the more they would laugh, and it helped with you return the momentum. Now, all of this happened like with the first two times you said it. I could see in the corner of my eye, you've got this. You're 
an expert. That night we saw a couple of fives, a sixes, one or two eight yeah. or nine out of tens, and even a ten out of ten. But you, sir, were an eleven out of ten that night. You oh, got God. them. Oh man. You got them. And I went outside, by the way, just as a side note, in case any of our listeners are going, but what about the crying girl? Went outside yeah. and um, she was crying. And I tried to pacify the situation, saying to her, I'm so sorry. Yeah. You know, I, do, I hope I didn't upset you. And what she said to me was actually more powerful, where she said, no, no, I'm not crying for me. I'm crying for you. That you went oh, through. Oh man. And it's a, it's it's often been because like I know plenty of comedians that have been survivors of and are still dealing with the side effects of some form of physical abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse. Like they've all gone through yeah. some kind of trauma. And yep. I think that, yeah, so it was an interest. So I kind of, as you can see. My listeners are probably going, why are you sharing this shit with us now? The first three episodes <laughs> no, were so deep and powerful. Why are you going that deep and powerful? Shining a light yeah. to abuse. How dare you? Now, I've seen you perform in <laughs> Arabic, but I've very yeah. rarely seen you perform in English. And you've been having me in You've never seen me perform in English. Well, why yeah. is that? Or have you considered performing? Because I never did. But why not? I never did. Um... I don't know. I never had um in I I no, there was that one time where I was in Zamalek and that was oh. the first time I performed in Zamalek and there were ESCNs in the audience. And for they were what? some weird reason they were what? ESCNs, like from the, oh, from the American University in Cairo. In Cairo, yeah. Um, no, because our listeners don't know what AUCNs are. I have I, yeah, they sh they should though. It's the best. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Offending the listeners, I don't know. No, I, I, and then I, for some reason, I decided to talk in English, oh. and I just kept getting weird reactions because I, I don't know, when you write stuff in Arabic and you translate them on the spot, somehow yeah. they're not funny at all. Some somehow they end up like I was walking once down the street and I saw this lady. I was like, hey, lady, why are you, uh, you know, being such a lady? And then it, it, it just, it's crap, it's crap, it's crap, it's, it's crappy crap. <laughs> that's uh, that's not think... just crap, that's that's sewage water covered. Crap. Yeah, the sewage, that's awful. And uh, that's, uh, yeah, so I've never tried in English. When I was in London, uh, you know that, because I've seen, I saw you in London, I was trying to perform. The problem is, I worked nine to five, six or five days a week, and the open mics would start at six. But by the time I would get to London, because I was not living in London, yeah. I would have missed the 12 spots. And it was crazy that I would miss a spot because people were there from like 3 p.m. waiting to do a five-minute spot in... Um, front of like a 20 yeah in front of a pub and i was like this is what i'm trying so hard that i can't even get while in egypt i can i'm not saying that to be cocky but i can easily drop in to uh to any show last minute and ask them to do five like you and ask them to do five minutes and they would allow and like me i didn't but... let you on the stage <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i should have 
I should have, because you had just come back from like uh, your engagement or Sharky's engagement or. Oh yeah, that day. Oh yeah. It was even that a was, uh, I don't know what I that think was. It was someone's wedding. I think it was my engagement. Your engagement. You and Sharky came yeah. to the game of jokes night. Yeah, that was in October, sir. No, you. Uh, but in all fairness, you asked, and I was gonna let you go, but at the last second, when I said yes, you said no. So. Yeah, yeah. I was. I. I didn't know what I was thinking. That was weird. Why would you perform in the day that you got engaged? I mean, that's enough funniness, enough funny stuff going on for a day. It would have been a moment, uh, though, of you I, saying to the audience, I just got engaged, and then they congratulate you, and then you could have gone into some material, but I guess you were just a bit of a chicken shit that day. <laughs> no, I like that. I like saying to the audience, yo, um, I'm so happy I'm, I'm engaged now. And I show them the ring, and everyone cheers really hard. And I, but and then I say, but she doesn't know yet. That's, 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 she she doesn't know yet. I just engaged myself to her. I just sort of attached my her name to my ring. That's what I did. That's all it took. Um. Yeah. Where but were never, we though? But you never thought about like writing down material or even trying to do a, an English speaking podcast because I think you've got <sighs> a lot of potential to to get a new niche audience. I think I think I think I sound more like a woman in English. Does that make sense? In Arabic, I'd sound man more manly. Give us some examples. I don't know. haga fil Arabi. <laughs> Yalla, cool. I see what you mean. You know, like we could be like, you know, hi guys, are you enjoying the show? And then when hey, the waiter hey comes, people. and then when the waiter comes, <laughs> oh, oh, I'm I'm yeah, but in English, you were like, hi guys, what do you guys think of Rainbow? Uh, in Arabic, it's much different. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I've, I've, I wrote material in English in London. I never got to, to say it. Try it out. In an That's the sad part. British. Well, if yeah. we ever get back to normalcy, normal levels of, or, you know, like if people start requesting Ronan comedy, I would gladly give you a chance to try out some English material. You want English? Yeah. Yeah, maybe I will. Maybe I'll try English for like five minutes and then I'll just do Arabic. Well, stand-up comedy, stand comedy yeah. is the last bastion of free speech. Bill Hicks said that. In countries yes. with more conservative cultures, it is sometimes an obstacle to employ any form of free thought within a public setting. How do you yes. reconcile the dichotomy of free expression through humor with a culture that necessitates rigid boundaries? Oh, wow. Uh, I saw that question. And I thought you were just making fun of, of me to write that question. Like you're making fun of the philosophy and the psychology and stuff. But you, it's, it seems like you seriously wrote that question. It's a three-line question. Four if you're looking at uh, a tablet. But four, no, who's counting? It's a four-line <laughs> question. Yeah. Who's counting? The line counter. Who's counting the line? <laughs> If a sentence goes across the screen, can anyone hear it? <laughs> can anyone read it? <laughs> no, it's if the forest falls in the... Anyway. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. It's funny stuff. Yeah, the, our society is weird. Here's the thing. Mm. 
in in America, mm. if you you can you can actually be more racist on stage or more offensive on stage than you can be in real life mm-hmm. or in the UK, for example. So you can say the most racist jokes and you can say everything, but you're, you appear vulnerable and people laugh really hard. Mm-hmm. In Egypt, you, you do, it's the opposite. You can't be So racist. you're more, you can't be, no, you can be, you can be racist in real life, but you can never pull it off on stage. On I, stage. I, you I, can't be racist in the public. I tried. Life. Yeah, you can you can definitely do stuff like you you're with your friends you're like oh, you know Christians what's what's up with them uh, you can do that in front of you like oh what's what's up with the whole Jesus thing you can in public that would be totally if you're funny enough funny enough they'll accept it mm. if you go on stage like I tried and people would laugh but they would frown like they would be <laughs> they would do this and um, I had this joke about, yeah, I had this joke about my grandma being a little bit racist towards Christians, but not a lot. Like the amount that would not harm anybody. But she is. Not a lot, though. Like there was this guy coming from a pharmacy to give her an injection. And she was like, Habibi, uh, thank you so much. So what's your name? And he goes, Antoine. And then she said, oh, that's okay then. Uh, there are some some of some of you guys are uh, good. <laughs> I didn't do it. It's just some of you guys are good. Some, some of you Christians guys are good. Some of you Christians are okay. You can fare well. Uh, no. Uh, how how so, was that joke received? No, people laughed at that. I think. Uh, but here's the thing. I can. I am less anxious saying it with friends. If that makes sense. It's because well, I know exactly what you're talking about because we've become. I didn't think we'd say this, but this is what I love about talking to you is we can sometimes, if we're not talking about the he said she said, BS of the circuit, we actually get to some profound moments, and I think that's a very interesting, powerful. As comedians, we know for a fact that if we're backstage in a green room, be it in Cairo, Alexandria, or on tour. If we're with our friends, we can be our full, raw, uncensored, unfiltered self, yeah. but not yeah, necessarily yeah. a reflection of like, for example, I'm definitely not racist, but I can say I can get away with being with around friends and making an off the cuff racist joke a few years yeah. back and not feel weird about it. Whereas now, in light of the whole Black Lives Matter and racist people such as, you know, Trump supporters and whatever, uh, Ku Klux Klan and the film Black Klansman shining a light on, again, a problem that actually hasn't gone away. And it's even interesting is like, I don't know, because I forgot to mention in the bio that you just completed a film. And yeah. I was trying to make a film myself and the working title was Zingy Honey based on Asa Iswood. Asa yes. is a film for our listeners who don't understand. Asa Iswood means molasses or black honey? Uh, I, I don't know what's the difference. I, I was never rich enough to know the difference. No, I'm kidding. I think it's molasses, yeah. Molasses, right? And it's the story yeah, yeah. of Ahmed, no, not Ahmed Helmi or Muhammad Helmi. Or... Ahmed Helmi, Ahmed Helmi, yes. Molasses, uh, black honey by Ahmed Helmi. And so Zingy Honey was very fun. 
Well, the idea behind the title, but then when I started to talk to uh, a comedian of uh, dark skin here in Egypt, and he raised the awareness of like, well, listen, I don't actually think that's a good title because I'm always on the receiving end and that's a word I always hear. In case our listeners don't know, yes. Zingi is in the Arabic uh, equivalent of the N-bomb, essentially. Yeah. Now, yeah. dealing with sensitivity of race and race relations and religious issues and all that like because of the rigid boundaries that there was a time when a comedian could get on stage and say anything and if an yes. audience would get offended that comedian could turn around and say it's just a joke what are you getting offended about and uh, i think an important thing that a lot of our listeners are taking for granted is when you all when people get offended like this is an observation, I don't know if this is fact, but you as a psychiatrist can weigh in. But when people get outraged at a joke more than say, for example, a five-year-old boy that drowns on the sea and is washed up on shore because he's yeah. fleeing a war yeah. zone. And we don't show outrage at that. We don't show outrage at our government saying, no, our borders are shut, you know? And at the same time, yeah. we send enough munitions and weapons to those people fighting in that country. Yes, we did. Good. No, no, you still can't come in. So there's that like hypocritical outrage. So do you think that people are projecting the outrage of such an absurd, insane system by getting angry at a joke, getting upset and offended by a comedian more than a politician? I, I think it comes from the notion that we're very vulnerable as a generation. Like we're very, very vulnerable mm. and our hands are tied. There's not much we can do. Mm. I love that joke. I don't know who said it. Um, I'm thinking Bill Burr or someone who said, so what's going on with minimalism and meditation? Like those are waves that are coming up in the 20, 2010s, 2015 around ish kind of era. So what's, mm. what's up with that? And he said something along the lines of minimalism being marketed as a good thing, but it just means that our generation ain't going to have shit to own, <laughs> if that makes sense. Mm. But it's being marketed as this super-duper spiritual awesome thing. And meditation is being marketed as, as a tool of acceptance. And uh, that makes you think... Oh, accepting, less anxiety, better life. That means you can't change anything. So I think we're very, we're, we're very vulnerable and we're being pushed towards staying that way because there's possibly some money for someone in that in having a generation of anxious teens and millennials and people just chasing shit that doesn't exist. Mm. And I think in a, because they took that, it, it's, it's like when you take a, a toy from a baby, you have to give him another toy or, or like a woman's breast or something. But a woman's breast is not a toy, if that's uh, something. <laughs> it's a sentence. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I don't know what, what I'm saying. But you, you take that from us, but then you give us political correctness. You give us 
you give us the chance to have power over something and our power is sort of against the thing that older generations fought for so so we've spent a lot of time fighting for free speech and now people are fighting against it yeah so that that doesn't make sense that's like a lot of people were killing themselves over free speech and now it's going worse than it was in like the 60s or 70s like you you can't say shit anymore because of pe- I'm not saying that boohoo vulnerable teens I'm saying we're, we're we're being pushed to be like that for a reason call it conspiracy theory call it whatever but this doesn't make sense a lot of people were, and a lot of people who are fighting for free speech will get offended yeah and and, and yeah and it doesn't make sense to me. Nothing makes sense about that for me anymore. I just try to do what I want. And not I, I, I found happiness in offending people in the past. Certain right. type of psychopathic happiness. And trying to offend people and then bringing them back to the la- island of laughter. Mm. Like I'd shock you and offend you so badly. Mm. And then that's a challenge for me to make you laugh. And I like challenges. I stop though. I I try as much as I can to. I don't think I don't use that as a goal. My goal is making people laugh and mm. maybe thinking a little bit more. But I my goal is not about offending or changing ideology or like like the dreams I had before. Just I just want to make people laugh and have fun. That's what I want to do now. It's funny because when you mentioned Bill Burr. If you remember what happened with him this year when he had his, because yeah. like two comedians that we never thought we would see on the SNL stage, and we did, Dave Chappelle and Bill Burr, and both said yeah. controversial, flared up reactions across social media, across Twitter, Twitter outrage, and even Dave Chappelle recently joked, you know what's my main problem now? Whenever I want to say something, it's you pointing to the whole audience. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Bill Burr talked about in his monologue, if uh, listeners haven't seen it by now, my God, where are you living with Al-Qaeda? Um, <laughs> seriously, <laughs> I live in the Middle East and I've seen it. Um, so yeah. Bill Burr talks about, they're trying to cancel, you know, John Wayne for stuff he said. Did you hear <laughs> what John Wayne said in 1972? <laughs> Be like, yes, that's how they used to think back in that day. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like I'm I waiting mean, have, for the have... day when somebody comes up and says, "Did you hear what Adolf Hitler said in 1941 <laughs> about Jewish people?" Be like, yeah, that's why he did the Holocaust. We could boycott it Hitler. Was Holocaust. We could boycott yeah, Hitler. <laughs> why did they attack him? No, I, I think it's so weird, so confusing. Now it's so difficult to be an an a young adult or an adult right now. Right. It's just so difficult. Um, but yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. Have you seen John Wayne in 1990? What, what do you mean by that phrase? It's so hard to be an adult now. I don't know. What do you think? I think it's tough, man. I, I think, think it's, it's. I think, yeah, I agree with you. It's, it's uh, like, I mean, usually the guest is meant to be the one that does all the talking, but I'll just quickly say I, Garfield the cat said it the best when many years ago I read this and it stuck in my head forever and ever and ever. <laughs> yeah. And it sh- shows him 
and Odie is in the background running around in circles chasing his own tail. And yeah. Garfield in the first box says, why is it when a man when a man has the mind of a child, they lock him up, yet children are allowed to run free in the streets? <laughs> and for Garfield the cat to give you some deep, hardcore philosophy and... I think the reason why it's so hard today, and I was watching um, a couple of things, but I I don't know if you've seen Death to 2020. Highly advise you see it. Uh, we won't. Yeah, I saw you commenting on it on Facebook. Is it good? It's very good. It's very good because it's, yeah. it's, it's in your face truth. It's like right up there with what is America or... It is a form of black mirror, like holding a black mirror to your to society's face. But um, yesterday I learned a very disturbing fact. There are more people in slavery today than there has ever been at any point in historic time. Like as in wow. the, if you collect the numbers of slaves in Europe and North America and South America, and by slaves, I don't mean the traditional, like a ship going from the continent of Africa to America. Yeah. No, I mean, people that are paying black market, people smuggle human trafficking. And then those people, wow. from whatever they, country they go from, they end up coming and living a life in servitude for the rest of their lives as a new neo-slave. And if you collect and tally all those numbers, they are more than than the Americans had during their peak of slavery, more than the ancient civilizations, the Sumerians, like the pharaohs or the Romans or the Greeks. Any, yeah. you know, Hammurabi was the only one in history that actually came up with a bunch of laws that protected slaves as well as protected mm. slave owners, you know, to protect them from themselves, ideally. And I think in society... Being protected from... I went on on a very long tangent. I apologize. No, yeah. that's, that's a good tangent. I like it. But um, back to... So the... are you saying we should, we, should, we should get slaves? Is that the thing? <laughs> no, no. God, All no. Right. But if, if there are already more... <laughs> if there are already more than, than in, in the past, then it should be okay. <laughs> oh, only the comedian could say something so dark. Yeah. But yeah... Um, no, it is hard being an adult because the one phrase yeah. that you were always able to say growing up that now you can't say without being labeled as a coward or a chicken shit, which is let's agree to disagree, which even yeah, yeah. Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which means in the Quran, even only God knows this knowledge, if it's true or not. There's Surah Al-Kafirun, where the last line of that surah is, you have your religion and we have yeah. ours which you could say yeah. was Quranic verse equivalent of saying let's agree to disagree let's yeah. go our separate ways you can't do that yeah, similar. Media. you can't do it in present day conversations no no you have to fight no it's it's our fight this is our fight this is like like 80s people had depression and and nirvana and stuff 90s had nirvana but but we 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 have the fight in social media this is our fight this is our generational fight this is our thing that we need to fight on on social media yeah that's what we do we fight on social media we try to get our points across 
to get more likes. It's crazy. Have you seen the social dilemma? Yeah, I have. Uh, I I was I I. Oh, I I was a little bit impressed. I wasn't so impressed of it because I had seen the great hack. Do you, mm. you know that or the big no, hack? I, I don't know. That. Yeah, because that, that was more powerful than the social dilemma. And I saw that before the social dilemma. So, uh-huh. so when the social dilemma came out, I was like, oh, that's there's nothing new here. I already know worse, um, a lot worse, because the great hack is like is much much on a deeper level than than social dilemma I, let me I, check is it called the great hack or the big hack the great hack yeah the great hack a very big hack um yeah uh, you should I, you should watch it i totally recommend it i i believe you i believe you and i will were you shocked by the social dilemma or did you have like an idea that this was was happening i knew this was happening from like I could see it in 2013 myself. Like I could see it with my own eyes. And I'll tell you yep. what made me realize this. I do love how you're part psychiatrist and you part flips the script of me instead of me being you being my guest, I'm now your guest. I'm on <laughs> no, no, I mean uh, you no, you, tell, you no, talked about it. I'm yeah, about what you say. Um, when you go through the process of losing one or both parents you can see the veil of bullshit being revealed in the society around us and the digital society within our phones and the more connected we started to think we are the less connected we are like i noticed from as far back seven years back ago when I would like seven years ago, seven years back, when I would try to call people, they wouldn't answer. But if I messaged yeah. them, I'd be lucky if I got an answer. And I was like, and I'm speaking, I'm not, I pretty much don't think I'm an asshole. I pretty much, yeah. I like to think I'm not no, an no. asshole. Like, I, I know I can be a bit asshole <laughs> I know I can be a bit dickish, but I don't think I'm an asshole. And I know that. You know, sometimes it's very easy because in my generation, my day, in my day, when somebody called you, you <laughs> called them back. You know, you'd go to the payphone yes. or yeah. you'd go outside no, we don't do that. get a messaging pigeon. You'd write a little scroll encrypted message. You'd wrap that paper up over around the leg of the pigeon. You'd tell the pigeon in pigeon language. And they would know because they're a homie yeah, yeah. where to go when you threw them out the window. But, you know, the first time I did that, the window was shut and I threw the pigeon and I had pigeon blood and feathers all over me carpet. It was a disaster. No. Um, disaster. Yeah. <laughs> Point I'm trying to say is like with social media <laughs> and the BS that I've seen unfolding, like when my dad passed away and when my mom passed away, I noticed that... Allah yarhamhum may they rest in peace uh, and not pieces. Um, the people (laughs) a bit delayed a bit dark but anyway um, the thing is that yeah it's good after mum I noticed that I had to bury 11 friendships and through the connectivity of social media I could say was partly to blame 
like the way that some bitch in my life and I say some bitch as in not that I'm not saying like she was someone I went out with god no but somebody I had the misfortune of thinking was a friend and turned out to be a, a false friend she tagged me and a bunch of other people on a Facebook post slagging me off during that time I was in London saying goodbye to my mother. And uh, some of those people chose not to communicate with me just because of the bullshit tarnishing my reputation got on social media. And so when people, uh, you know, I, I think personally, I look forward to the day when we're all able to to like just progress with one. And I think that's what's happening. They're going to eventually you're going to have Instagram and Facebook are, and WhatsApp are just going to become one application. That's what's yeah. going to happen. I can pretty much see that that's why you're getting the Facebook logo powered by Facebook on WhatsApp and powered by Facebook on Instagram. And eventually, you know, Twitter is going to be replaced by just Donald Trump sailing around the world on a hot air balloon going, why doesn't anyone retweet me anymore? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think you know, uh, I think it's kind of impossible these days. That's the tragedy. It is impossible. I've seen. I don't know if you saw uh, Ahmed Al Haridi. He was our first guest, and he just posted something on his social, yeah. media, on his Instagram, on his story. And I don't know if you saw that, where mm -hmm. it was an ironic approach of him saying, you know, I don't want us to be less on social media, but let's be a bit maybe more genuine on social media, like don't go chasing the likes, don't go chasing the shares, don't go sh chasing the retweets, but actually chase your dreams or chase your life rather than chase the approval of others. So it's a very deep, dark, twisted uh, labyrinth of what the fuck moments. Uh, yeah. Why did you let me hijack? Why, safe? Just shut up and let your guests talk. <laughs> I like it. I like it because that's how we talk all the time. When we when we talk, we, I'd say stuff, then you'd say stuff, and I I think it's nice that way. It is. It is. I just I don't want to be labeled like I've I've heard of this one podcast in particular where guests come and they don't even get to speak much because the host. That's the thing we want to do on Quala Sandwich: just get get guests and just don't let them speak. <laughs> like so how like you a, have this very famous person as uh, a social media influencer having like two million followers thank you for joining us and then we just keep talking and mute, no one listens. mute their microphone on a zoom conference oh no no they can talk like they can hello hello <laughs> like we're continuing yeah it's but a you, crazy it's a crazy life though well, last question, and then uh, yes. we'll wrap this up. You've performed all over Cairo at the Alexandria Library. For our listeners who don't yes. know, it's not the Library of Ancient Egypt. It's a modern-day cultural center with performance hall seating 1,900 or 1,800 seaters. 600, yeah, yeah. 1,600, sorry. Uh, yeah. And a 250-seater as well. as So it's got different sized rooms for different events. Um, you've done university gigs other than the one that you did at the beginning 
You've also yeah. performed in Sharm el-Sheikh. There was a couple of areas that never had stand-up comedy before until you went. Yeah, like Luxor. Yeah. Like Luxor. Yeah. Yeah, and, that was like, uh, yeah. And you just did a film called That's So Funny. Yeah. Which is premiered in Cairo. Uh, did it? I don't know if it premiered at the Guna Film Festival. Has no, it, it didn't. been at any of the film festivals yet? Not yet. It went to that film festival. It, we premiered at a Cine for All, which is Cinema for All film yeah. festival. That was an opera. Uh, it didn't. It didn't. It, it wasn't taken by Guna um, for some reason because they are interested in more um, things that would bring them attention. Comedies and trendy, if that makes sense. Um, Falcom. But yeah. Yeah, no, but it's been crazy. It's been a crazy ride. This is a film I've been, uh, I've been working on for three years, yeah. and it took a lot of me. Like I've put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into it. It's crazy. I've been doing everything on my own. People helped out the way they can, but it's it's been a crazy ride. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wanted it to be screened. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it was crazy. It's been a crazy ride. I just wanted to document that moment of what we were going through at the time, trying to do stand-up comedy. Usually we have a section in this show called Shameless Plug, or in Arabic, Um yeah. which is where you sort of promote what's going on, uh, and you told us about the documentary. Is there anything else that you're working, might be working on that you want my listeners or your listening base to sort of focus on if they haven't already? No, I'm just, I'm, I'm having a, a block. I'm, I'm one of these blocks that I'm not going to try to overcome. Oh, wow. I did a show, I did a comedy show around two weeks ago and I hated it. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I'm just going to take some time off from everything. I don't know, probably your listeners don't know me. They're like, they're listening to someone who's going to take a time off. Uh, no, uh, I'm going to take a time off. I'm going to re- relax after three years. I feel like I've been trying to do homework for three years and I finally done it. Mm. That how that feels like. And um, I I got you in the film, though. You're in the film. Uh, you're, you're, you're in more I didn't than one want, shot. I didn't want to sound like a petty, egotistical diva, but I know I'm a petty, egotistical diva. But I'm not, I didn't want no. to that. You ended up in the film at the end. You're in the film. You're not talking, but you're in it in more than one shot. We can see you clearly in like three shots throughout the film where we can see you uh, clearly. And uh, I, I write a thank you for, for all the people who were... Uh, did you thank who agreed my father's to your... chair? I, I, I didn't. Sorry. I wanted I'm teasing. to... Teasing. I was teasing. I was messing with you. Yeah, okay. So that was serious thing. No, no. Yeah. Like what? Seriously? You're gonna I want to thank Father's chair. It's a good chair, though. It was. It is. Yeah. It still is. It still is. No. I really uh, like your cap. I like your hat. It's a nice. It's a the hat, hat I'm wearing now. Hat. Yeah, it's a cool hat. It's Pittsburgh Steelers hat. I don't know what that is. American football team. They won the 1976 right. Super Bowl. Um. So I've never seen them play, but I just kind of support them by default because even though I'm not an American, if somebody was to say, who do you support? I'll be like Pittsburgh Steelers. 
They're like, why? Because they won the Super Bowl the year I was born. Okay, makes sense. You know. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that's good. But yeah, no, I decided I wanted to be the only guy on the stage circuit of Egypt that wears. I don't know if you would call it an army hat or like the style. Yeah, of it's it. an army hat. I think it's yeah, it has a style, army style. Army style, but that's yeah. um. Now we can get away with any joke. Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think, yeah. I think the, the, the field of creativity has given you many interesting curveballs and you've managed to like react and counter yeah. them very well. Uh, is there anything, uh, by the way, listeners, maybe now is the chance for you to start learning Arabic, but we will conquer you. No. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> like maybe your videos start to get translated subtitles uh, but like again humor is subjective doesn't translate yeah from arabic to english mm. but for our arabic bilingual audience like the audience that speak both english and arabic friends of yours friends of mine fans of yours and fans of mine they know where to find your work the koala sandwich that no talents and yeah you know maybe I took a break this year after mom died last year. Uh, the last time I performed was on November the 20th for the Hizbul comedy. And yeah. I miss performing. I miss being on stage. But at the same time, I'm petrified that I might have lost my mojo after mom died. It's, it's, it's hard to explain. I know I'm still funny. I, uh, you know, I have a mentor with uh, a great veteran of the comedian from europe like uh via zoom i've got a lot of people that find me funny and find me entertaining so i know i'm not some funny offstage only comedian i know i'm actually you know yeah a veteran no, I know you are well thank you that's very kind of you to say you know just not funny enough to be in your film um <laughs> I'm messing with you. <laughs> I had yeah. to say it on air. Off the air, I'm going to give you a proper bollocking. But like, no, I'm fucking with you. No, like, yeah, 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 I think yeah. you need to take a break if you, because you have done and put a lot of effort in. And, you know, you're, you're going to be, you're going to be all right. I think so. Yeah. I'm not going to die or anything. I think so. Yeah. I hope so. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just going to take it one day at a time and see what's up. Well, that was my guest, Mohammed Farouk, Dr. Mohammed Farouk, part of El No Talents, also soon to be, inshallah, award-winning director of an epic documentary film that's so funny, established veteran comedian. You've been on um, the Comedy Central Arabia stand-up, right? Yeah, yeah the Comedy Central Dubai, yeah. And all around, it's been an absolute pleasure having you. Yeah. It's um, been great being here, honestly. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. So, listeners, we are available on Anchor FM. Anchor FM do not pay me to say this, but they give me unlimited data storage until they change their terms and conditions. Um, <laughs> listeners, we are available on Apple, Google, and Spotify, so you can add me yeah. to your lists of your wish lists of wanting to listen to the next installment. Peace be upon you, namaste, and all that jazz.